you have your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to continue through there. I was going to stop because I've already done two services on, uh, preached two times on bring me the book or, um, but I just got to this phrase about the joy of the Lord is our strength. And for many years, I didn't understand that. I thought if you was happy, you'd just be strong. No, that's, that's reverse. You're holy and then you're happy and you're strong in the Lord and thus you are happy. So we're going to talk about, we're going to preach, I ain't going to talk, we're going to preach on the joy of the Lord is our strength, but also we want to uh, continue this series on day by day, and the way to be in the will of God is day by day in the Word of God and responding to the Word of God. So this morning we're going to be preaching on the dedication uh, of the, uh, to the Word and the demonstration to the Word, and then we'll go on to the next point, but you'll see... The will of God is found by winning the warfare against temptation. Uh, Genesis chapter 39, day by day. Now, if you have a funny Bible, you won't see day by day. You'll probably see providentially hindered because that's what those verses, those versions are when they take out the blood of Jesus. We were going to have Brother um, Jeremy start the series next Sunday, uh, but I've got a pulpit committee coming, and so I don't want them to be hearing some teaching on the King James Version for him. I want him to preach a sugar stick. You know what a sugar stick is? That's the sermon that you you like the best, amen, to preach. So he's going to preach that. So come and back him up. and We expect some amens. Uh, so this pulpit committee will know that we like him. If you don't like the message, amen anyway, praise God. And just amen him out of this place. That would be great, amen. I'm not trying to rush anything, but I know he wants a pastor. And then worship him daily. Uh, and then, of course, meditate day and night and respond and obey the Word of God. It's where we're at now. And we're not hung up on it. It's just this is the emphasis. Folks, you want to know about the will of God? Here it is. It's the Word of God. Amen? That's why you need to have the Word of God that's preserved and inspired by the English-speaking people, the King James Version. If you're going to go, if you're going to go, if you're going to go liberal, just go ahead and, and uh, just uh, get those verses to leave out the blood and leave out the atonement and leave out major doctrines and even leave out the Savior, amen, and uh, go stay with the Word, amen. So let's stand on the Word of God and we'll start with verse 5, Nehemiah chapter 8. The reason we stand because they stood when uh, Ezra got on the pulpit and started reading the Word of God and all these long names that I tried to go through last week stood with him, the leaders, and they stood with uh, um Ezra, but look at verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. Aren't you glad we got a book to preach this morning? For he was above all the people when he opened it, all the people stood up. Now he wasn't above them spiritually, he was above them vocally and also positionally. And look at verse 6, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen. You ought to practice that, it'll help you. Amen, might help the preacher. With the lifting up of their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Very unusual setting, amen? Praise God, it's scriptural to praise God with humility. And Jehua and Bani and Sherebiah and Jamin and Achim and Shabbatheah and Hodijah, Hodijah and Maseiah and Kelea and Azariah and Josadad and Hanai and Pelalia and the Levites. I got that one right. Caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood to, in their places. That's first Sunday school, amen. They started to divide them all up so they could understand what Ezra was preaching. And so they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave their sense and caused them to understand the reading. Amen. And Nehemiah, which is the Tirshatha, and Ezra, the priests and scribe and Levites that taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. When you come to the Word of God, it'll be a holy experience. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept, and when they heard the words of the law. And he said to them, Go your way. Here's the key now. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. 
Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second days, they were gathered together, the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests, the Levites, and to Ezra, and the scribes, even to understand the word of the law. And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh day. It's called the Feast of the Tabernacles. And that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth into the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, every one upon the roof of his house, every one upon the roof of his house and their courts, and in the courts of the house of the God, and the streets of the water gate and the streets of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of captivity made booths and set under the booths. For since the day of Jeshua, the son of Nun, also that day had not the children of Israel done so. And they were very great gladness. And here it is. And also day by day. That's how you know the will of God, enjoy the will of God, and experience the will of God. And day by day, from the first day until the last day, he read in the book of the law of God. And they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the matter. Now we could be like the people in the days of Ezra and all of you stand the whole 45 minutes. But I'm going to give you a break and let you sit down so you may be seated. Amen. Father, thank you for the word of God. And thank you, Lord, for the many years that you've enabled me to preach the Word of God and bless me and privilege me to be the pastor of this church. And it's so glad, I'm so glad to see so many people back with us. And Lord, I thank you for this congregation that loves the Word of God. God that heeds to the Word of God, that obeys the Word of God, and proclaims the Word of God as we handed out our tracts this week. What a blessing it was. And so, dear God, help us now to um, love and enjoy, but Lord, be dedicated and demonstrate the Word of God through obedience that brings joy, which is our strength. We'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the last few weeks, we've had several uh, points, and we pointed out you ought to have a desire for the Word of God. They came and uh, was there many hours, uh, and then there was a there was a, a total um, just just enthusiasm for the Word of God. Uh, thank the Lord that we ought to be enthusiastic about God, and that's the point this morning. There ought to be a dedication to the Word of God. There ought to be a dedication to the Word of God. Um, enthu- enthusiasm comes from two Greek words, which means entheos. And folks, we ought to be enthusiastic. We get enthusiastic about everything else, we ought to get enthusiastic about God. We ought to get enthusiastic about our Savior. And we ought to get enthusiastic about the preserved, inerrant Word of God that many people died for, burned at the stake, stretched asunder, imprisoned all their life, starved, humiliated, beat, and killed for this book. And if they did all that for this book, at least we ought to be as dedicated to it. The word enthusiasm means eager. How many are eager to be here this morning? How many is eager to hear the Word of God this morning? Some people go to a concert, they get eager to hear the jam session. I used to be one of those when I was a kid. We'd watch uh, crazy stuff. I mean, it was all, I'm glad God delivered me from that junk. One of, our, one of my groups that we went to see one time was called The Hoot. God help us. And I mean, they take uh, guitars and jam them into the uh, speakers, and it was just awful. I could never get Connie to go with me 
because uh, she had better sense. And, um, but then, you know, there was, there was groups called KISS. I never did get into that, amen? I mean, they were ugly as sin, and I mean, they were, they were ugly, and people just, you know, enthusiastic about seeing these jokers uh, that were proclaiming an ungodly message, by the way. Amen. Uh, in my day, there was a guy named Alice Cooper, and uh, he was so wicked that he would uh, uh, have a song uh, about having sex with a dead corpse, and people would just flock after him and follow him, that ungodliness, I mean wickedness, but they get enthusiastic about it. What you enthusiastic about? Well, they got so enthusiastic, oh, it also means intense excitement, enthusiasm. It says that they, uh, they blessed the Lord. Look at verse 5, 6. And verse 5, it says that uh, they opened the book in the sight of all the people. And when it was opened, the people stood up. Amen. That's why we stand in all the Word of God. Uh, we stand for the flag, we ought to stand for the Word. It's inerrant, inspired, it's, it'll change your life. But I want you to notice their response in this dedication to the Word of God. They started lifting up their hands. Now that bothers some people. And uh, folks, a, lo a lot of preachers think if somebody lifts their hands up, they got a question. <laughs> and I used to preach and there was a guy that was a hitchhiker, his name was Atkinson. Uh, his son wrote a great song. Uh, but he, would, uh, he was a hitchhiker. And this guy hitchhiked all over America. And uh, you couldn't do that today, amen. You'd get killed, amen. I mean, I wouldn't hitchhike. And um, he would uh, witness to people. And he'd come in here one time, and he was sitting on about fourth row. And every time I'd pause, he'd ask the question out loud. Do you mean to say? I thought, glory to God, if he, does, if he asks another question, I'm going to lose my place. I was nervous. I was a young preacher. I didn't understand that. And he was trying to emphasize the point I was making. He wasn't trying to interrupt. He was a godly man. I respect him highly. But he was just, he was just outspoken. And he said, do you mean to say, and I'd rather have that than somebody fall asleep on me. Come on. But I lost my place. I got all upset. I couldn't, I couldn't preach. But I want to tell you something, friend. These people lifted up their hand not with a question. They were praising God that somebody brought the word to them. And their response was, Amen. Amen. Now, the word amen is a scriptural word that means so be it. Have you ever tried to do that in, in, in service where you saw some guy was just about half asleep, half dead? I mean, just, just he wasn't going to be here. I mean, he was drugged here by some, you know, wife or something, you know. And if you was to say amen, you might wake the old boy up and you might get him to say, hey, he, he, he likes that. Praise God. Amen. I better listen. So response is fine. I'm not trying to. Uh, we don't, we're not an amen in church. We got a one lady that amens uh, uh, more than the men. And that's all right, amen? I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm not trying to throw cold water on you. But some people, the only time they amen is when I say now in closing and we dismissed. But I think what amen souls getting saved. I believe what amen preachers preaching. I believe what amen pastors staying. I believe what amen, the word of God, because the word of God is the word of God, and we ought to thank God for it. There ought to be a little laugh, life to it. I'm not saying that you ought to uh, pipe, pump up anything, but if the cup is full, let it overflow. Amen. amen. I amen myself more than y'all amen me. I don't care. But I'm amen in the word of God. I ain't, men, I ain't men, amen in my style or my sermon. I'm amen in the word of God. Amen. Uh, listen, uh, we ought to have some life around here. I heard about the, thank you. I, I heard about the fella uh, one time that had a heart attack in church. That'd be a bad place to have a heart attack, but it wouldn't be a bad place. Amen. It wouldn't be a bad place to die. I mean, I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather die in the church than die somewhere else. One time a little fellow was out in the lobby and he said, uh, what's this, all these names? He said, all these, these are all the people that died in the service you know, military. And he looked up at his mom and he said, the 11 o'clock or the 6 o'clock? <laughs> then some paramedics came in to looking for this uh, fellow that had the heart attack 
and they took out four people before they found the right person. Amen. <laughs> I don't think we ought to be like that. Uh, some people don't like me because of my enthusiasm. It's just against their personality. They ain't never been enthusiastic about anything except eating. But I want to tell you something, friend. I don't think it's personality that counts. I don't think it's outward show that counts. But I do believe it's heart that counts. And I believe our heart sometimes overflows. And I'm not in danger. I don't think we have a danger of becoming some howling fanatics, uh, Pentecostal hoopla in this church. I believe the greatest danger we have is becoming lukewarm and cold towards the Word of God. Lackadaisical, indifferent. We stay, we ought to stay excited about the Word of God that we stand up and say amen when the Word of God's preached. Then you don't have to do it physically, but you ought to do it spiritually and you ought to do it mentally because some of y'all's personalities is different, and I respect that. Some people are shy. Some people never say a word. Some people, they won't have to worry about this pandemic because they ain't never close to anybody anyway. I mean, they never get close enough to catch it. Amen? I have to worry about myself. Because I, I like to be around people. I like to talk to people. I like to be in their face. Uh, I pull down my mask so I can hear myself. I mean, I got to, but I'm, I've had it, so I think I'm safe. And I'm going to have those two shots as soon as I can. Amen? Just to prove to you that I'm safe and not sorry. And I think it's considerate for us to be considerate. Amen? You ought to be protective of other people. I'll just say that right now. You don't like that, I'm sorry. But I believe you ought to help people rest at ease in the house of God. I had a letter from one of the little kids Wednesday, and it said, Brother Wayne, thank you for wearing a mask and keeping us safe. So and so and so and so, love you. Thank you, preacher. You know, I thought, my word, she's even thanking me for wearing a mask, and I, th I appreciated that. They drew pictures of me preaching the Word of God, and it was the ugliest preacher you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> but I appreciated it so much. Those dear little old third graders. And then the uh, preschoolers even sent me some letters. That's a blessing. And most of them had this on their little cards, Holy Bible. Holy Bible. Now I want to tell you something. That's a great lesson for a child to learn. Is that the preacher is not preaching his dogma. He's not preaching his personality. He's not politicking in the pulpit. He's preaching the Holy Word of God and it's words from God. And folks, we ought to be dedicated to it. We ought to be enthusiastic about it. And folks, we ought to realize that the Word of God is the Word of God. I know y'all came all the way to here to hear that, but the Word of God is the Word of God. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And I should have marked this because I have a hard time uh, finding 2 Peter. I know it's after first. Don't be smart, Alec. But Second um, Peter chapter 1, I believe it is, verse 19 and 20. It says, we have, not, we, also a more, we, have, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as in the light that shineth in the dark place. The word of God is a light that shineth in the dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Amen. This extra biblical truth is not truth. But look at verse 21, 2 Peter chapter 1. You with me? For the prophecy came not of old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's why we can say the Bible is the Holy Bible. The author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. And we ought to heed to it like that. In 2 Timothy chapter um, 3, in verse 16, you know it, but turn there and look at it real quick. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. The Bible says this. I'm in 1 Timothy, that's good too. It says, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. What's the word inspiration mean in the New Testament, Brother Jeremy? God breathed. Every breath, every word's a breath from God. For you to, to make a word, breath must cross across 
must pass across your vocal cords and it forms a word. You ever thought about that? And folks, you ought to thank God for breath so you can tell your husband off every day. No, don't do that. Straighten him out anyway. Come on, say amen. I saw some lady elbow her husband just then. But it's profitable. Profitable what? Doctrine. That's what is right. For reproof. That's what is not right. For correction. That's how to get right. And for the instruction in righteousness. That's how to stay right. Folks, if you're going to be right, you need to be right in this book every day of your life. Day by day. And you need to be in a church that I can recommend one that preaches, thus saith the Lord, with authority and doesn't excuse themselves for preaching the truth. Amen. amen. I'll say amen to myself. Amen. Rightly divided. Preach it with right motives. Praise God. Receive the word as from the Lord. Look at 2 Thessalonians. We just uh, got into this book. Chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Did I say second? First. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. I hear, I hear those pages turning. Amen. We're not palm readers. We're Bible readers. It says this, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as truth. The word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Folks, we don't receive it as the word of man. We receive it as the word of God. And so there ought to be a dedication. There ought to be a desire. Folks, there ought to be a devotion, as I preached last week. There ought to be an appetite for the word of God, but there ought to be a dedication to it. You ought to come to church when you don't feel like it. And you ought to listen when you don't feel like it. Because someone, you're the best listener and they know and they're going to pattern their life after you. But folks, we need to realize this. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Acts 17, verse 11. I've given y'all too many scriptures preaching on the Bible. One, one person said we shouldn't use too much scripture. My goodness, what kind of preaching is that? We had a fellow get kicked out of jail because he used too much scripture. And I say that we ought to kick the chaplain out of jail that said that. Amen. Praise God. We tried. But look at this, Acts chapter 17, verse 11. More word, the better. More word, the better. Seventeen eleven. It says, therefore many, no, yeah. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Folks, noble means character. It takes character to line your life up with the word of God and it takes character to believe what the word of God is. It's the words of God. It's God breathes, amen. We don't have time to mess around with all these versions. We don't have time to mess around with man's opinions. We don't come here to hear my jokes or my illustrations. We come here to hear the word of God preached without apology, with authority, but love from a heart to another heart. That's a church. And folks, it's said that readiness of mind, that means alertness. Some of y'all ought to go to bed early on Saturday. You stay up too late. It used to be Johnny Carson, come on, from 12 to 2, and people would try to watch that junk and then come to church, and they were just dead. Amen. I mean, the devil will try to keep you up. Amen. My dog woke me up at 1 and 2. And at 3 o'clock this afternoon, we're having a funeral for that dog. No, not really. <laughs> and I thought of all times, all times, I've got to prepare myself to preach. I need to be alert. I'm 70 years old. I'm tired. I need to be enthusiastic. I need to preach, not just teach. And this dog wants to bark at another dog at 2 o'clock. But we had a little talk about 2.30. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't think he'll bark again for at least three or four days. And then I promised him I'd feed him. But anyway, everything tries to keep you unalert. Attentiveness, that's what that means. Readiness of mind means attentiveness. Are you listening? Are you taking notes? 
Are you saying amen in your soul? Or have you passed out? Adherence, obedience, that's what it means. We ought to honor God's word because it's all about Christ. The Old Testament is Christ is coming. The, new, the gospel is Christ has come. But the epistle is Christ is coming again. And folks, it's all about him. It's all about him. Hey, folks, if you don't, if you don't see Christ in every book of the Bible, you need to reread it. In Genesis, he's the breath of life. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's a, he's a fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's, the, he's Moses' voice. In Joshua, he's the salvation's choice. In Judges, he's the lawgiver. In Ruth, he's the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our sovereign. In Ezra, he's the true and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of broken walls and rebuilder of broken lives. Aren't you glad God gave you a second chance? In Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. In Job, he's the timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he's our morning song. In Ecclesiastes, he's the time and the season. In the Song of Solomon, he's the lover's dream. He's altogether lovely. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. In Lamentation, he's a cry for Israel. In Ezekiel, he's a call from sin. In Daniel, he's the stranger in the fire that will never leave us in the valley. In Hosea, he's the forever faithful. In Joel, he is the spirit's power. In Amos, he's the arms that carry us. In Obadiah, he's the great missionary. In Jonah, he's the great mission, uh, missionary and Obadiah, he's the Lord, our Savior. In Micah, he's the promise of peace. In Nahum, he's our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk, in Zephaniah, he's, the ple- he's pleading for revival. In Haggai, he restores the lost heritage. Hey, folks, in Zechariah, he's our fountain. In Malachi, he's the son of the righteous, rising with healing in his wings. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, he's God-man Messiah. He's the God-man Messiah. In the book of Acts, he's the fire from heaven. In Romans, he's the grace of God. In Corinthians, he's the power of love. In Galatians, he's the freedom from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, he's our glorious treasure. In Philippians, he's the servant's heart. In Colossians, he's the Godhead Trinity. In, in Thessalonians, he's our coming king. In Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he's our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, he's the everlasting covenant. In James, he's the one who heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, he's our shepherd. In John and in Jude, he's the lover and the coming bride. In Revelation, he's the king of kings and he's the lord of lords. The prince of peace, the son of man, the lamb of God, the great I am. He's the Alpha Omega. He's our God and he's our savior. He's Jesus Christ, the Lord. And when in time is no more, he is and he is. Folks, we need, to be, we need to be dedicated to this book. And then last but not least, we need to have a demonstration of this word. We need to have a demonstration of this word. I, first of all, I see three demonstrations that take place. Reactions, excuse me, obedience, uh, response. Maybe it's a better way to say it. We desire the word. We devote ourselves to it. We declare the word. We dedicate ourselves to the word. But folks, it's all in vain if we don't demonstrate it. We're walking epistles. Read of all men. Your priorities tell your neighbors what you believe and how much you believe. Spiritual vitality and transformation and personal revival comes when you really believe the word of God. First of all, we see a demonstration of repentance. Look at verse 9, repentance. It says in Nehemiah when he was at Tershara and Ezra the priest, scribe and the Levites that taught the people, said to the people, the day is holy in the Lord. Your God mourn not nor weep. 
For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Now, folks, why would anybody start weeping when somebody started preaching? I'm going to tell you why. Because Ezra brought out to them that they were disobedient, backslidden people that wandered in the wilderness and was not keeping the feast and not doing what God said, and they began to mourn. Folks, we ought to be brokenhearted about our sin. Come on. This popping, chewing gum and playing games in church, walking down the aisle saying I'm getting right with God has got to stop if it started. There ought to be a brokenness. We ought to have a humility when we hear the word of God and God the Holy Spirit points out our lackadaisical attitude, our lack of appetite for the word of God. Folks, listen, you ought to be ending up Leviticus, you ought to be in Psalms, and you ought to be in Mark. You ought to be reading your Bible through again this year. Amen. Amen. There's no revival without mourning. Let me hurry now. I've got a few more minutes. Folks, we need to get brokenhearted about the state of our country. We need to get brokenhearted about more people that live in California and more people that live in uh, New York have been slaughtered in the womb in the last years because of abortion. Does that bother you? Does that bother you? It ought to bother you, and you ought to thank God your mother let you live. Old Silas's mother got locked up again last week, and I, and I, I, was, just, I was just so upset. And I said, but at least she let him live. At least she let him live. And I'm praying the, the old girl gets saved in jail. Yes, sir. I'm also praying for a future for Silas. Folks, we ought to mourn our fleshly failing efforts, our lack of enthusiasm, our lack of faith towards the Word of God. We ought to mourn. There'll be a brokenheartedness about sin. There'll never be revival until there's a burden and brokenheartedness. I'm going to prove it. Isaiah 57, verse 15. I want you to underline this verse, please. At least, at least, at least turn to it. Amen. Turn in your Bible to Isaiah 57, verse 15. You ought to follow the preacher and make sure he's preaching the word. Amen. Don't take, don't take my word for it. It says this, And thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Folks, we worship a high and lofty one called Jesus. And this world's trying to manage him and bring him down to our little level. We're trying to manage him to be a part of a rock concert. We're trying to manage him to be part of a, a colloquial wicked society. Folks, he's not manageable. We ought to be manageable. Amen. It says this, whose name is holy. I'm going to make a point now. I will dwell in the high and holy place with him. Isn't that a privilege to dwell with God? Also that is of a what? Contrite and humble spirit. To revive the heart of the contrite one. Folks, what's he saying? I will fellowship with you. And I will walk with you if you're humble. And Folks, the height of pride is when you don't think you need the word of God. The height of pride it's when you think you can get by without studying the Word of God day by day, meditating on the Word of God, and obeying the Word of God day by day. That's the height of pride. You're saying, God, I don't need your Word, I don't need your will, and I don't need your Spirit. I can make it by myself. And if you say that too much, He'll let you be by yourself. And go ahead and try to have a marriage without Him. Go ahead and try to raise kids without Him. Go ahead and try to have church without Him. Go ahead and try to be holy without him. Go ahead and try to be victorious. Go ahead and try to be uh, fruitful and happy. Folks, there is no happiness without holiness. Amen. And holiness means, oh God, you are holy. Oh God, you're high and lifted up. I'm just nothing but a sinner saved by grace. And I need you. I need your word. I need to pray every day, day by day.
got Amy's Facebook post this week. And I know y'all sick of sick of Facebook, so throw it in the garbage if you want to, but I I relate to my daughter a lot. I'm trying to get off that stuff, but she she showed me or showed whoever wanted to see it. In the last three months, five thousand girls have been raped with their ministering. Five thousand. Now I've got a very attractive young 18-year-old named Emily there. If you don't think that sets a granddaddy to praying, you don't know you don't know nothing. And burden. And then you know what's so sad about that fact and that statistic? That 3,000 of those girls were raped in their own home. No wonder they love Count Rhino. Say amen, Mark. Praise God, you got a beautiful daughter down there and granddaughters. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd say don't go to that place. Don't start a business at that place. But folks, they need the gospel. It's the only hope they have. They need this book to invade their privacy and their perversion and their incest. And they need a Count Rhino that they can go to a place, a haven, a beautiful place of love and laughter and joy and find out there's more than living in a place with uncles and daddies that abuse them. Say amen. And folks, that's why Count Rhino is packed out and even illegally sometimes because the government tries to shut them down, but they're keeping it open. If they go to jail, they keep it open. Now, I'm kind of proud of Jeremy and I'm kind of proud of his wife and I'm kind of proud of his children and I'm kind of proud of Kevin and his wife and his children and I'm kind of proud of Mark and Amy and their children because they're in a place that's dark. But I want to tell you something. Here's the light. Here's the hope. Here's the victory. Here's the way out. It's the Word of God. And I'm not trying to uh, just emphasize our, my children and our missionaries. We ought to be a little partial to them because they're ours. We sent them out of here. But I'm going to tell you something. I appreciate them taking the word of God to that wicked society. How would you like your daughter to live there? How would you like your granddaughter to walk down the streets there? But I want to tell you something, friend. It's worth the chance. And I want to tell you something. It's worth the risk to get the word of God to these children because it's the only hope they have because they're living in hell holes. They're living in sins of iniquity. They're living in incest. And folks, they need the blessed word of God. Amen, Amen, preacher. Amen. We need this book to take to a lost and dying world. But folks, they'll never get saved until they realize they're sinners. I'm talking about brokenness. Folks, I'm going to tell you what happened here, and then I'll just, I'll just close. Repentance is not penance. Repentance is not remorse. That's sorry you got caught. Repentance is not reformation. Repentance is a change of heart. And folks, they had a change of heart. They were so burdened that they'd sinned against God and not kept His law, kept His His. Uh, tabernacle of the feast that they started weeping uncontrollably probably just while he's preaching they're weeping that don't bother me a bit if you want to weep because your sin have at it now nobody will cry for months around here afraid somebody will think you're sinning well they know you're sinning because we're all sinners fall short of glory of God say amen but I want to tell you something the devil wants to get you so burdened that you stay down God said, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. And then he said, humble yourselves in the sight of God, and he'll lift you up. That's the joy of the Lord. Which is your strength. And so first of all, I see a response of mourning. I see a response of repentance and brokenheartedness. But I see a demonstration of rejoicing. Look at verse 10. And he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send the portion unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, these people just want to keep on crying. They want to cry all the time. I've seen people like that. 
I just, they want to be burdened all the time. I mean, they just want to be down. And I want to tell you something, the devil wants to get you down and keep you down. But I want to tell you something, the Holy Spirit gets you down to get you up. Amen. The Holy Spirit gets you burdened so you can repent of that burden, gets you under conviction so you can repent of that conviction, so you can get right with God and the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's nothing like being right with God. I'm not talking about surface joy. I'm not talking about hooping it up. And, and, and I don't, I'm, not, I'm not against clapping. I'm not against raising your hand. I'm not against being hallelujah, amen. I'm for it, matter of fact. Yes, I am. I'm for it because it's scriptural. But I want to tell you something, friend. You can shout on credit and live like the devil during the week. And some of the biggest shouters I know are the biggest powders on Monday. Amen. But I'm not going to judge the shouter. I'm just going to judge myself and say, Dear God, give me a burden about my sin. And Lord, when I repent, he'll give me the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. See, look at, look at uh, verse um, 9. It says, this, is, this day is holy unto me. Uh, look, look at, uh, look at uh, on down, uh, verse 11. Hold your peace for the day is holy. About three or four times in these verses, I can't find the next one, but it's, it's holy, holy, holy. And let me just close by saying this. There will be no happiness without holiness. But when there is holiness, there is a lot of happiness. And I'll say this, and I'll say it very clearly. Your worst day is better than a lost person's best day. And I'll say this, and I'm going to say it very clearly that you ought to be joyful in the Lord because God has forgiven you. Because of Calvary. Folks, listen. These people were rebuked for not keeping the tabernacle of the feast. They had to camp out in their yard. They had to camp out on their roof. You know what was reminding them? One day they were pilgrims. And one day they were wandering. But God got them through the wilderness but folks, the reason they wandered for 40 days or 40 years is because they were rebellious, rebellious and they were out of God's will and Ezra probably brought it out and folks, they got, they got mournful about it and then they realized, praise God, we don't have to wander anymore. Let's go back, let's camp out, let's tell the world that we're just a few uh, pilgrims passing through. This is, not our, this is not our home. We've had to live in a tent for a week. Let's do it. But praise God, let's be obedient. And obedience brings joy. Amen. Obedience brings joy. You ought to feel good when you leave this place. More joy remaining. More joy bearing fruit. John 15, 10, 11 says, These things have I written to you that your joy might be full and that my joy might remain in you. What things? Abiding. Branches in the vessel. Obedience, purging, holiness. Holy, W-H-O-L-E-Y, and holy unto the Lord. Folks, you ought to be repenting. It goes like this. You'll get sad about your sin, and then you might get mad. You ever seen a person under conviction? They get mean. My daddy got mean before he got saved because he was under conviction. He didn't want to give up his little drinking or a lot of drinking. But then you get mad, you get sad, but then you get glad. And don't forget how God freed you one day. And as J Jason read this morning, be ye doers of the word, not just hearers. If we're ever going to have revival, we must be doers of the word of God. And so I see, third of all, the demonstration of response. And that's summed up in our text in verse 18. Day by day they kept the feast. Day by day, they kept on hearing Ezra. He didn't just preach on Sunday, praise God. It says day by day, he read in the book of the law of God. They just built that great wall. There was great victory, but then there was great mourning, great repentance, great rejoicing, but great response. I want to challenge you to do this. Respond. Respond. If we're ever going to shake this city, we've got to have Christians that live it. If we're ever going to have personal vitality and personal revival, I'm not talking about the energy from God, we must repent of our sins. Repent means change of mind, turn. You turn towards God. If you just turn from, from, from sin, you're just a Mormon. 
But if you turn from sin to God, the living God, because you love him, then you're a real Christian. Repentance is necessary for salvation. Can somebody say amen? It's not believing about, it's believing in God. And you believe in God, you follow God. It's not believing about, it's believing in him. There's a return to God. You can't just pray a flare prayer and live like you want to and think you're saved. When you get saved, your life changes. Repentance. Repentance is necessary not only for uh, salvation, but for revival. And then there ought to be rejoicing. And folks, the joy is that you're right with God. And thank God the response is, I'm going to glorify God for the rest of my life. I'm going to do what he says. And I'm going to find out what he says in this book. That will be some happiness. Down there in Scottish Rite Hospital, if you walk through there, you'll see all those little babies. And they have no hair. And they got, they're dying of cancer. I don't understand that. But you know, sometimes they do something that's really exciting. They let those babies stay in there long enough to get healed. Through chemo, or through, you know, God's miraculous hand. But he uses the doctors. Then they'll cart those little old fellas out. And they'll have a bell at the end of the hallway. And they'll let them reach up and give that rope and ring that bell. Cancer free. Cancer free. And folks, I want to tell you something. I guarantee you there's some grandparents, because we're all crazy about our grandchildren. Amen? I mean, we're all, I mean, plum crazy. We let them get away with a lot of stuff because we're just so crazy about them. But folks, I bet there's a bunch of grandparents lying in the hallway when they're ringing that bell. They're rejoicing. They don't care how many people see them smile. They don't care how many people see them raise their hand. They don't see how many people, amen. They don't, probably some of them hit their knees in the hallway and thank God. And you know the mamas and daddies, they're rejoicing. Why? Because their little one had cancer, was dying, was on death row, but they got healed. Well, let me just say this. There's rejoicing in the presence of angels over one sinner that gets saved. And folks, ring the bell one more time when somebody gets saved. Sound the trumpet, another soul got saved. And I'm gonna say this, friend. We are backslidden to the core if we don't get excited about people getting saved. And the reason we ought to get excited about people getting saved is they received the word of God, got under conviction. There was a demonstration of repentance. There was a demonstration of rejoicing. And there was a demonstration of response. And all the people rejoice. And Ezra said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Get back up. Get up, get up, get up, get up. You've wept long enough, people. You're broken long enough. Get up and rejoice and respond by giving your life and obeying God. Father, use this message for your glory. Thank you, God, for the strength to preach it day by day, responding to the Word of God. God, give us Holy Ghost conviction that brings sadness but dear God brings holy joy and true obedience and response. With every head bowed, every eye closed tonight, this morning, I hope you've taken the word of God as not Wayne's word, but God's word. But you'd say, dear preacher, pastor, and I appreciate your way you listen. I really do. Appreciate those watching by way of internet. I really do. I appreciate those that will watch later by archives. I really do. Because, friend, I'm not trying to campaign for any office. I'm here just to proclaim that He is Lord and He'll change your life. But have me say, preacher, this morning, I know if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. And I know the gentle Savior has not passed me by. I love that song, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. But I want to tell you something. One day, a guy got up and preached hell so hot so long and so horrible that I got saved. And I thank God he preached it straight. I thank God he was a Baptist preacher who believed this book. And I'm glad he preached out of the King James Bible too, praise God, because there was power when he preached. And I got saved.
I'll never get over it. How many say, preacher, I know I'm saved? Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony? All over this place. How many glad you say, say amen? Smile, praise God. Rejoice in the restaurant. Hand out a track with a smile upon your face. Don't look like you've been baptized in vinegar. Rejoice. Your sins are forgiven. Is there anyone in here say, preacher, I don't know if I'm really saved? I try to be a good church member, try to be a good daughter, try to be a good son, try to be a good person, but I know that's not enough. I must be born again. And if I died right now, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. And I'm really concerned about my soul to ask you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer and then back down? I'll just pray for you. That's all I'll do, and that's the most I can do, and I won't embarrass you. Anybody? I'm not saved, but I sure would like to be. Anyone? How many say, preacher, I'm a Christian? But I need to read my book. I need to read his book more. And I need to I need to respond more. And I need to demonstrate it more. And I need to declare it more. And I sure do need to have a desire for it more. A desired appetite for God's word. And I just want to rededicate my life towards this book. And that's rededicating your life towards this, the God of this book. Would you raise your hand real high for prayer? I gotta raise mine. I'll raise both of them. Praise God. I need to surrender more to this book. Amen. All over this place, thank you, thank you for responding. Not for me, but for his glory. Father, thank you for this time we've had together. Pray that you'd bless. Bless those that couldn't raise their hand with full assurance or say, but God bless us that take this word for granted. Lord Jesus, help us to realize this book has the answer. This book has the comfort. This book has the direction. And this book speaks of Jesus. In every chapter, every ver- every book is your story. And we thank you that it lifts you up. In Jesus' precious name we pray. As we dedicate ourselves more to you, we're going to have the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Amen.